want to see what life is like inside the bottle. Jen's Playground has its own website and Facebook fan page. Go to www.jensplayground.com for more details. set those headphones on fire. Eight fingers down, two fingers standing straight up. It's the end of the world's edition, amigos. It is by Red Bull alone I set my mind in motion. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome one and all to another invigorating, galvanizing, buzz-inducing, and mind-altering edition of the podcast we all know and love. Jin's Playground. Take off your jacket and stay a while. Take off your shoes, I just put new carpet up in this bitch. And for you lady listeners, just go ahead and take it all off. We ain't gonna tell anyone. To you playground virgins, I promise, I'll be gentle. And to you veteran playground disciples, you know damn well I have no intentions of keeping that promise. Now we got some house rules that you'll need to abide by. I run a respectable podcast around here, and we need to keep things clean and tight. Are you paying attention? Then I'll begin. No whining, no pissing, no moaning, no farting, no puking, and definitely no T-bowing. No mising, no top decks, no savage rips, no raw-dogging, no right-wing, no left-wing. No shirt, no shoes. No, no die <laughs> No Justin Bieber, no American Idol, no teabagging, no Nickelback, no corporate bailouts, no Twilight, no Jersey Shore, no bullshit Michael Bay movies, no Nazi pepper spraying police officers, and absolutely, positively, no fucking Kardashians. You with me so far? Good. That's just swell. Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, we got some bones to pick. I may have to crack open something a little harder than Red Bull. It's not often that I partake in the fire water. But I thought it fitting, considering the recent news that Wizards has blessed us with. We'll get to that in a moment, but that is definitely going to be topic numero uno on today's docket. In fact, this topic may just absorb the entirety of this podcast, but who knows. We'll see how frisky I'm feeling. I was asked not to hold back on this particular episode, and I don't intend to. And, sadly, as a result, I may lose a few listeners from this episode. And some of you are like, What the fuck? I just got here. I don't even know what the hell this podcast is about. And then you have my veteran disciples who never miss a show, whose loyalty will be, shall we say, tested. There may be some hurt feelings. There might even be some backlash. Some of my opinions go against the grain, and as a result, we get a few bumps, a few bruises, and some casualties of war along the way. That's okay, though. I'm good with that. I'm not trying to run for office here, nor am I an agenda-driven magic pro. I'm not trying to win any popularity contests around here. I'm just a guy with a microphone calling it like I see it. And you may disagree with what I say, and that's cool. You're wrong if you do so. But hey, isn't that just one of the many reasons why this country is so damned awesome? You're free to form your own opinions and just let them all hang out there for everyone to suck on. Now, I've seen lots of magic articles and forum posts telling us all that when it comes to talking about the changes from organized play, that we should be polite, be concise, be logical, and well-mannered. Nah. How about this? How about I approach this topic like I approach every topic? With a half cup of sarcasm, a tablespoon of satire, a small dash of anger and a heaping cup of keeping it real. How do you like that recipe? Or I could talk about this topic in the same manner that Wizards likes to make their announcements and make all of you wait until 2013 to tell you how I feel about it. Fear not, though. I wouldn't do you like that. 
Alright, no more dilly-dallying. Let's fire this bad motor scooter up. You feeling that fat, filthy bass line? I mean, you can't stop it. Why would you want to stop it? Makes you just want to strut down the street with a middle finger in the air, doesn't it? Alright, let's go to work. World's 2011 has come and gone. You know, I watched all of the world's coverage, and I gotta say, it was bittersweet. You know, on one hand, I'm enjoying this great video match coverage. There's this, uh, just a grip of countries doing battle. The boys from Channel Fireball are killing it throughout the entire tournament. There's excitement. The passion for the game is clearly on display. And it just made you want to celebrate everything about magic. And then, quite suddenly... We got a cold slap across the face from our not-so-good friend, Reality. This is indeed the last Worlds we're going to see. You know, I'd say that it's damn near impossible to have avoided hearing about the recent announcements that Wizards handed down to the Magic community, but on the off chance that you were in a cave these last few weeks, let me break it down for you like so. The World Championships are going away. The biggest tournament of the year, the best of the best from each country duking it out in Magic's own high-stakes kumite. Yeah, it's it's done. Kaput. Stick a fork in it. Another Pro Tour bites the dust. And then there were three. What's it being replaced with? Would you believe a 16-person tournament that really just amounts to five pretty good players and 11 degenerate, single, unemployed, ADD-stricken, card-borrowing, turbo-talking, basement-dwelling, Adderall-popping, super-grinders. Trust fund babies who are willing to devote 100% of their time and energy towards accumulating Planeswalker points from every single event possible, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And if you don't happen to meet that criteria... You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! Because as we all know, Wizards doesn't want people like you, do they? You know, guys who might actually be pretty good at magic and have supported the game throughout the years, but just happen to be saddled with those silly little things like jobs, school, kids, responsibilities, and a limited amount of time to invest in their hobbies. No, sir. Even though that description pretty much fits the majority of all those who actually play the game, it's just not the demographic they're looking for. But hey, at least you get to level up, right? You should be proud of being a level 32 unicorn wrangler. Wear that badge for the whole world to see, amigo. But let's not digress too much here. They've also decided to nerf the national championships to the point where it really doesn't mean anything anymore. They took Nationals to the vet's office and had its balls clipped. This once prestigious tournament now wears the dreaded cone of shame. I mean, I guess if you're going to kill Worlds, I suppose it kind of makes sense that the next step includes dismantling the tournament that helped feed Worlds, right? But hey, there's good news here. You are encouraged and more than welcome to grind in all of those store-level national qualifiers, spend hundreds if not thousands on singles and travel expenses in an effort to try and win that highly coveted national championship title. Phew, what a relief. You know, I'm positive that the title of national champ is the real reason why everyone fights tooth and nail to qual for it. Earning pro points, making the national team, and qualifying for the world championships? Meh. At best, those were just minor little perks. And last but certainly not least, pro points in the Players Club are going away completely. But don't worry, they'll have something to replace this little system... soon? Maybe? You know, when they get around to it. They'll slap something together for you shortly. We don't know when. Could be soon, could be later. All we know is that the current process of determining who gets what based on the quality and success of one's play in high-level tournaments is going to be flushed down the proverbial toilet and they have nary a clue as to what will replace this system. Needless to say, this announcement created a colossal avalanche of bullshit. Twitter feeds exploded. Facebook groups were formed opposing these decisions. Wear all black at Worlds! Occupy Watsi. 
a whirlwind of protesting emails sent to Rosewater and Forsyth, along with an infinite amount of articles circulating around the web from all those magic pros that we love so much. So, now that the dust has settled, what do we make of all of this? What should we make out of all of this? Should we be pissed off? Who should we be pissed off at? Well, the short answer is yes, you should be pissed off. You know, in the world of social media, the Magic Pros have an incredible influence. Not to mention the kind of reach that they get with their articles, podcasts, and videos that they do. You know, some of you, not all of you, but some of you, have been programmed by these pros to feel a particular way about these organized play changes. But I guess that was bound to happen. I mean, why not check in with the greats of the game to see how they feel about all of this, right? I did, just not at first. Initially, when I read the announcement from Wizards, I, I, I sat down, I thought about how this was going to truly affect me, and then I worked my way towards the articles and Twitter feeds to see how others felt. A lot of people did it in the reverse order. You know, and whenever we hear other people's opinions regarding any kind of activity or change, whether you like it or not, you are being influenced in a certain way. I mean, to some degree, I'm influencing you right this very moment. You know, probably not in a very good or productive way, but still. You really have to consider the source of that opinion. It's not to say that some of the points the pros make are, are any less meaningful or hold less water. I mean, sure, a, a few of their views are aligned with a few of my own, but y you know what? I'm not totally convinced that some of these pros truly give a shit about how these changes affect you and I. They sure do come off like they care, but when the chips are down, they don't give one ounce of fuck. I think that many of these pros view these changes kind of like they would a demotion, or maybe even a pink slip. Magic is their meal ticket, so obviously it's going to be in their best interest to support anything that keeps it that way, and oppose anything that could potentially take it away. Now, I can't say that I blame them in that respect, but to indirectly imply that their interests are a direct reflection of our community's interests in an effort to gain public favor just seems awfully damn self-serving. Hey, if you feel the same way I do about these changes, then you should totally write Watsy and tell them. It's a call to arms, brothers and sisters. Strength in numbers. Sure, dude. And it makes it that much harder to relate to these pros when they write shit in their articles like, Oh, bother. These changes suck. How on earth am I going to plan out all of my travel arrangements so that I can fly around the world and play magic? I mean, who are you writing this question to? Yourself? Because you certainly aren't asking anyone who would be able to relate to your little problem. Tell me how the everyday magic player should give one shit about your travel plans. You know, I read a, a Facebook post the other day regarding these changes by one of the big-name pros, and someone responded to it saying, Well... Looks like you guys are going to have to get real work now. And that pro promptly fired back saying, Get the hell out of here with that shit. I write weekly articles, I do videos, I travel, and I devote a huge amount of time towards magic. Look, I don't necessarily agree with these magic pros having to go out and get real work. I mean, the way I look at it, if you can spin an angle and figure out a way to get paid to do something that you want to do or that you're good at, hey man, I mean, more power to you. But in my book, getting paid to do something doesn't necessarily mean that what you are doing is actual work. But here's what's spooky about this little exchange. Some of these pros really do believe that what they are doing is work, and they all expect us to drink that Kool-Aid with a wink and a smile. This just serves as more proof that there is a noticeable disconnect between a few of these pros and the vast majority of the Magic playing community. You know, I guess I don't have a problem with them thinking that what they are doing is working. As long as they can somehow come to terms with the fact that the majority of us that actually do work think that what they are really doing is playing and getting paid for it. Wizards should take notice, though, as should the rest of the Magic community. As much as a few of those pros say they love the game and want to see it succeed, know that there are just as many, if not more, who will stop playing cold the moment Magic ceases to be a profitable lifestyle. Any and all bonds of loyalty to the game and to the people who idolize them will be broken, and they won't think twice about it. The moment the hand goes bad, they will snapfold. 
they're smart enough and resourceful enough that they will simply move on, leave the rest of us in the dust, and they will find a new hustle. All right, all right, all right. Enough beating up on the pros. You know, most of their hearts are in the right place. They're just trying to keep the party going, I guess. I'm just glad that they're smart enough to know that if they truly desire to get what they want, they have to appeal to the masses. You know, those guys who uh, actually buy the packs. And to be fair, the pros do hold a good amount of intangible value that's virtually impossible to put a price tag on. They are the ultimate promoters of the game. We'll just have to accept that some of these pros are only slightly annoying and that we should probably, you know, let's keep them around. I just wish that one of these pros had the balls to come out and really call bullshit on these changes. But instead, we get responses that were diplomatic, politically correct, lukewarm, and sugar-coated, that held all of the passion and enthusiasm of a paper cup. Let us now take a look at the child that made this mess in the first place. Those naughty little boys and girls from Renton, Washington. Watsi put out an article on the Mothership titled, Changes to the 2012 Tournament and Event Structure, Part 3. <laughs> yes, don't take your time to figure out everything you want to change and then give it to us in one whole article. Where's the fun in that? Instead, they gotta plan all of this on the fly, break things up a bit, and treat these changes as if they were some kind of ongoing series, dragging it out. Kind of like they do when they do their magic spoiler marketing campaigns. It's amazing. It's as if they're treating this thing like an episodic cliffhanger. Each announcement is more cryptic than the last one, leaving more questions than answers. But because the decisions they make are so batshit loony, we can't help but want to tune in to see what kind of fucked up thing they do next. What's most irritating about this article isn't so much the changes themselves, but the manner in which they presented them. Let's break this one down, shall we? They lead the article with, For the first time since the creation of the Pro Tour, Magic the Gathering will have a single tournament to determine the best player in the world, the 2012 World Championship. Wait a second here. Wait, wait, wait. So, you mean to say that all the other tournaments before the 2012 World Championship were fuck-all? All those previous World Championships that had to endure three days of competition spread across a global metagame, those guys were just bullshitters? You're telling me that you guys have been doing it wrong this whole time, and only now will we be able to see who the best is. To accomplish this goal, the World Championship is changing from a Pro Tour-sized event to an exclusive 16-person tournament. These 16 titans of magic will battle for a $100,000 prize purse at Gen Con 2012 in Indianapolis. The field will be made up of the following players, 5 really good players and 11 goobers who play a ridiculous and unhealthy amount of magic the gathering. It took them 17 odd years, but they finally figured out the true formula to determine who the best really is. Don't you agree? Bless their hearts. Under the current system, you can make an argument for several different players being the best in the world, said Scott Larrabee, Magic Organized Play Program Manager. Yes, that's right. To add credibility to this awesome change, let's get an exclusive interview and quote from one of Wizard's own employees. You guys are unbelievable. Is it the player of the year who had the most top finishes but may not have won a major tournament? The world champion because that's what the title suggests? A Pro Tour winner because Pro Tours probably have the toughest field of players? We wanted a clear answer and the new world championship provides that. Get the fuck out of here. How is a 16-person tournament going to do any one thing except prove that some lucky dickhead can win a 16-person tournament? And really, what is the fascination with trying to figure out who the best is at this game? We all know who the overall great players are due to their sustained success over the years, but for one moment, can we just consider the idea that there is no real way to determine who the best is? Can you really convince yourself that one 16-person tournament is going to prove who the best is once and for all? 
national championships will no longer be feeding a larger global event. With the World Championship moving to its new model, as well as a growing need for individual regions to tailor their organized play offerings, it was necessary to separate nationals from a larger organized play path. This change helps individual regions develop the right tournaments and events, from Wizards Play Network events up to the national championships, to meet the needs of their region's player base. Yeah, I know. I, I couldn't understand that nonsense either. Let's run that jibber-jabber through my handy-dandy corporate rhetoric translator device. Ah! It actually says we're going to make Nationals a worthless event, but we're going to feed you a fresh load of steaming caca about how we're actually helping everyone out by doing this. Nifty little toy, that corporate rhetoric device. I'm going to have to throw a patent on that sucker. I should probably keep it handy, though. There's more. Oh, and it's another quote! This time from Helene Bergeau, Director of Organized Play Programs and Operations, yet another employee of Wizards. As the magic brand grows across the country, Wizards has faced challenges in attempting to apply the one-size-fits-all approach to certain programs, and Nationals was one of those. It is up to the regional offices to decide on the size and scope of their country's national championships, and we've seen that in many of those countries, the pride of being your country's champion is a primary motivation for the players. It's, it's as if they gathered around a conference table and took bets on just how completely wrong they could get it. By eliminating the relevancy of nationals, they are taking away the best method for people who live outside of North America to qualify for the Pro Tour. And for those of us in the United States, who's going to really care about regionals anymore? Or all those nifty little store-run national qualifying events? It's pretty clear that they didn't stop to think about the kind of ripple effect this change would make. And last but certainly not least, we have a quote from Aaron Forsyth himself regarding the Pro Players Club. As we see how the system works when released into the wild, we'll be looking at ways to make sure players who represent the game well at the highest level are rewarded for their dedication. The idea behind the Pro Club is sound, but we need to do some amount of reconfiguring. <sighs> what this actually means is, we're going to need a little bit more time to figure out what the hell we're going to do with the pros, and how people can qualify for the Pro Tour, because we have absolutely no fucking clue what the Planeswalker Point system will ultimately do, and instead of thinking things through before implementing them, we're just going to jam this system into effect and hope for the best. I mean, is it any wonder at all why people felt a little insulted after reading this? I mean, instead of being forthcoming and sincere about these changes, they came off as condescending jagoffs who thought that they were talking to a bunch of gullible little children instead of intelligent men and women who have supported their product over the years. You know, we know that what you're laying out for us is rough news to take, but you're not making it any easier by jamming sunshine up our asses. Now, you've probably heard multiple stories about why they, they had to make these changes. You know, we've heard that there was a mandate made by an executive at Hasbro who has no friggin' clue how shitty these changes are for our future of our game. Now, we've been told that Hasbro had nothing to do with it and that this was all Watsy's doing which I personally find difficult to believe. We've heard that it's money issues. We've heard that they want to take the game in a different direction. We've heard the conspiracy theories about the secret operations initiated by the Illuminati and the Trilateral Commission with the intentions of utterly decimating the game. We've been told so many things that we're dizzy and we don't really know what to believe. We could be told the truth and remain skeptical. In my not-so-humble opinion, I believe the root cause of all of this came down to greed. They've taken away so many things from the players, all the while breaking record amounts of incoming revenue. Who couldn't use a little bit more, right? What other logical reason could it be? Worlds was a marketing tool, a very expensive marketing tool. Someone, somewhere, regardless of whether it was Hasbro or Wizards, basically said, Look, dude, you need to find a way to cut costs, all the while continuing to bring in that sweet, sweet money. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, how much cheese are you spending to make worlds happen? How much? Aw, oh, shit, dude. Let's cut the hell out of that. We gots to get paid. All the money they make, it, it just isn't enough for them. It's not enough. All signs would seem to point to Hasbro. I mean, guys like Rosewater and Forsyth could tell you that Hasbro had nothing to do with it. And it makes sense that they would, you know? I mean, I'm not going to publicly throw my boss under the bus. Are you? Not if you'd like your paychecks. It's this very thing that made me worry about Hasbro stepping in and buying out Watsy when they did. You know, I'm sure you all remember it when it happened. I mean, th there were a lot of concerns that things could change. And, and what did they do? They did everything in their power to calm us down. To pacify us. You're being very undued. Everything's cool, dude. Nothing is fucked here. Nothing is fucked. But as we've seen over the years, it seems those fears were legit. Like most corporations, they are only interested in reducing unnecessary costs while increasing their overall revenue. And since that magical little merger, what has happened? We've been consistently stripped of incentives to play the game. And wouldn't you know it? Unbelievably, Magic is more successful now than it ever was. From a sales perspective, it's one of Hasbro's shining stars. Who would have thought that if they systematically took away all of these incentives to play, that it would result in this kind of success? The numbers prove it. Magic sales are soaring and tournament attendance is through the roof. As a community, we've given Wizards and Hasbro absolutely no reason to think that cutting incentives is a bad thing. In fact, history has shown that the more they cut, the more money they're making. This is where the blame shifts to our magic community. To quote Sean Connery from The Untouchables, what are you prepared to do? They keep scaling back and taking incentives away, and what do we do? We open up our wallets. Man, these changes suck. Wizards is killing magic. That article was the death knell. Yeah, now there's no good reason to play. This marks the end of magic as we know it. Yeah. Well, see you at the PTQ on Saturday? Hell yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we lack the courage of our convictions. If it sucks so bad, and we hate the changes so much then why continue to support them? You know, I have a buddy who got so upset that he wrote Watsy, explained his feelings, and then proceeded to have his DCI membership terminated. Not exactly what I would do, but I gotta give him credit. He didn't just make a bunch of noise and then go to a Grand Prix the following weekend. Of course, a lot of people are, are, are going to complain about all of this, and Wizards will view this in, in one of two ways. One, they will look at this feedback as a bunch of hot noise. In all of my years to date, I've never seen a group of people that can bitch quite like Magic players. They are in a class of their own. They would publish a blog just so that they could bitch about the flavor text of an unglued card. Knowing this too well, Wizards has grown accustomed to the players' complaints. It's commonplace. The complaints are so customary that those complaints begin to lose steam. Wizards will just take the attitude of, meh, they'll sleep on it, and they'll get over it in a couple weeks or so. The only other way that Wizards might take notice of these complaints is if they came upon a wave of negative and direct impact on their revenue streams, when people just stop buying their product. And let me tell you something. There is no faster way than that if you want to get their attention. All it takes is one good dip in their earnings for them to say, Whoa, you guys were serious? Oh man, we were just fucking with you! If it came down to taking a deep and potentially permanent revenue gouge or them carving off some Skrilla to put on this world championship thing for its players, which do you think they would choose? Now, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that the customer is always right when it comes to a, a single random customer, but when it comes to thousands of customers, they are always going to be right. The problem is, I don't foresee that folks will stop buying product after all of this. I don't. 
If anything, they'll buy more. Why? Because there is just nothing comparable to Magic the Gathering. There's no other game out there like it. Magic just doesn't have a competitive rival. There's no alternative game out there that can keep Magic honest. No twin brother to balance things out. You can't truly start a sentence saying, well, screw Magic, I'll just go and play... what? You'll go and play what? If you say screw Magic, then that means you are done playing collectible card games. Period. Are you really ready to do that? When it comes to the history of this game and the subculture it's created, Magic really is the only game in town. Ahem, boy does Wizards know this. You think they'd be taking all of these incentives away from us if they knew there was another game out there that would happily take our business? Now, here's what we know. We've been told that instead of waiting until 2013 to unveil this new system to replace the Pro Players Club, they're going to unleash it right around Dark Ascension. They've also said that if, in fact, you win a Grand Prix, you'll qualify for the Pro Tour. Well, isn't that nice of them? They've also come out and said that they care about what we think, and that they are going to try really hard to make all of this right. Fine. Hey, I'm game if you are, Wizards. If you're really serious about making this right, then I have a few suggestions on where you can start. First things first, up the amount of cards in each set you do going forward. Deck building just isn't what it used to be. It's grown far too linear. All the experimentation and exploration have been sucked out of the equation. I do appreciate your concern, but seriously, we really don't need you to hold our hands and tell us that we need to play humans or vampires. Just give us some big sets and let us do the innovating. And they just announced that the third set in Innistrad, uh, I believe it's called Avacyn Restored, is going to be a big set, so let's hope this is a trend going forward. What's next? Ah, get rid of Mythics completely. You know, I spent close to a grand and bought two cases of Innistrad when it came out, and out of those 12 boxes that I cracked, I got one Army of the Damned. Now, you might think, well, hey, could be worse, you could have gotten one Liliana, that's not the point. The point is, I only got one of a particular card out of 432 opened packs. That's disgusting. Eliminate the mythics, and let's make the rares worth something again. Now on the topic of cards, bring back the player's rewards program. Why don't you go ahead and pull all of the players and see what percentage of them hated getting foil cryptic commands and textless promos in the mail. I'd love to see that number. Do you have to give out cool cards to those who play in your tournaments? Nope. Doing something for someone even though you don't really have to tells me that you truly value your relationship with that person. Food for thought. Here's even more food. Make Friday Night Magic promos worth a shit. Teetering peaks? Savage lands? Really? What are you guys doing? Throwing a dart here? Maybe instead of having the phone receptionist at Wizards Headquarters choosing what the Friday Night Magic promo is, you should ask your players. What do you say? This can't be a difficult fix. Speaking of difficult fixes, please, for the love of God, fix the Planeswalker Point system. The whole idea behind quantity of play outweighing quality of play might be great from your point of view, but it's a bunch of hog shit for the most of us players. Rewarding players for how often they play, and not how well they play, takes Moronic to the next level. Haven't you guys ever even heard of Davy Crockett? Be sure you're right, and then go ahead. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy, but it seems like it might have been a good idea to take, say, the last four or five years worth of wins and losses from everyone and run some simulations using that data. I mean, the good news is, is that guys like Brian Kibler have given some interesting ideas on how to repair this little mess. And I have no doubts that we'll see tweaks along the way. The moral of this little tale, do unto yourselves what you would otherwise do unto others. And while we're at it, reduce the amount of Grand Prix. You heard me. I didn't stutter. We don't need more tournaments, we need more meaningful tournaments. 
Between the Star City Games Open Series and the amount of Grand Prix doubling in 2012, there's going to be a big tournament every weekend. Winning one of these things will just be less impressive. Hey, I won a Grand Prix. No one is going to care. No one is going to even remember you. Those people are already looking towards next week. Plus, it already doesn't take a whole lot for the community to burn out on the standard format, but when you guys do this weekend warrior saturation bombing of tournaments, people are just going to get fried. I mean, we saw it happen last year when they nuked Jace and Stoneforge. I mean, in the context of their respective format, there really was no alternative but to run Cobblade, but seeing those results week in and week out compounded the issue and really put a spotlight on how a format can stagnate due to the oversaturation of tournaments. I mean, who's to say that cards like Kessig Wolfrun or Snapcaster Mage won't get the same kind of treatment after months of repetitive results? Relax on the frequency of your tournaments and increase the importance and meaning of them. Having one every week is excessive and stupid. Here's a thought for making them more important. Increase the number of Pro Tours back up to six. That's the dream right there. I mean, who doesn't want to make it onto the Pro Tour circuit? I mean, you can't really call it a circuit if there are only three of them. I mean, can you imagine the PGA Tour with only three stops? In my new plan, we've already killed off a few Grand Prix to make this happen, so the money is there. The Pro Tour coverage is stellar, and people want to see more of that, not less. This is what you should be promoting, the Pro Tour product. And what the hell is killing the side events the Pro Tours? Bring those back post-haste. This event should be a celebration of magic. There should be all kinds of things going on, from gunslinging to workshops and multiple side tournaments as far as the eye can see. Making the Pro Tour a private event is pointless. And while we're at it, we might as well bring back Team Trios. One of the most skill-intensive, dramatic, interesting, and fun formats that I've ever played in. Almost everyone I talked to, both casual and competitive, loved this format. Yeah, sure, you guys might have thought that it was a logistical headache for that weekend. You had to run this big, bad tournament that was just a headache. I don't give a shit. It's what the players want. Bring a bottle of Advil and you deal with it. Bring it back. And bring back the Invitational. This was an awesome tournament, and the idea of being immortalized by having your own magic card is something that transcends a simple cash prize. The location of the Invitational doesn't have to be exotic. I mean, hell, you could have it at Wizards Headquarters for all I care. This is a harmless and cool event that everyone digs, and bringing it back would just be a kick in the pants. Now, you say that you want to reach out and get new players, then you should reboot and reinstitute the Junior Super Series. Seriously, this was a fantastic idea. Younger players playing for scholarship money, which translates into a multitude of tax write-offs for Wizards, getting introduced into the game with other eager and interested kids their age? I mean, as a father, I'd feel much more comfortable letting my 12-year-old son or daughter compete in a tournament at a JSS event at first, and then later progress into the larger tournaments and have a JSS championship like they used to do at Nationals for larger scholarships. This was one of the best ways to cultivate bright new stars while helping kids for college. I still can't figure out why this program got cut. And please, make Nationals great again. Give Nats its nuts back. I'm sure all of us have pride in our country. I know I do. But like I said earlier, with big 500-plus player tournaments being held every week, the importance of Nats has greatly diminished. If the only incentive to play in Nats is to win some title that says you're a champ, no one is going to care about qualifying for Nats. You know, and I've heard people say, oh hey, they made Nats like States. On the contrary, States is actually better than Nats right now because you don't have to grind your way or play in multiple qualifiers in order to compete in States. States was always an open tournament that is more organic and localized. It's a tournament where the prizes for top 8 include mad respect from your local community. But Nats? It's just another weekly gig. Inject the incentives back into the Nationals' bloodstream. Make it meaningful again. 
And last but certainly not least, bring back fucking Worlds. It's the biggest and brightest tournament of the year for Magic. It's the last thing you should touch. You don't go and get rid of the Super Bowl. You can't go and melt down the Stanley Cup. The World Series of Poker wouldn't be the same without the main event. Worlds is the final act before the end credits. It's a contest made up of global end bosses, and becoming one of these end bosses at Worlds is what competitive players strive for and dream about. Taking that away crushes that dream. I mean, what would you rather hear? Time to button down, get the necessary reps in to sharpen my game. I'm going all the way in 2012. Who's coming with me? Or, well, gentlemen, it was fun while it lasted. Time to find another dream. Time to follow a different path. It's true, Wizards isn't obligated to give anyone anything. But it seems to me that they keep daring themselves to remove more incentives just to see how far they can go and how much penny-pinching that they can do before the bottom drops out. Keep on cutting, wizards. Eventually you're going to hit an artery and bleed out. Don't say I didn't warn you. You know, I'm, I'm going to come clean with you guys. It, it took a while for me to get up the motivation to do this particular podcast. You know, between the absurdity of the Planeswalker Points system and this recent announcement from Wizards, it really just... It, it took the wind out of my sails. And normally I'd say that change is a good thing. I mean, change keeps us thinking and keeps us on our toes. But there are always exceptions to the rule, and these changes fit that bill. And for the last couple of months, I've been in a state of bummerhood when it comes to magic. It was a culmination of things. You know, you have these monumentally awful changes from organized play, but there were also seemingly smaller things that compounded that feeling. You know, like, um, like Evan Irwin retiring from the magic show. You know, I mean, say what you want about Star City Games and Evan Irwin, but he produced a pretty damn entertaining show. You know, Tom from Monday Night Magic hanging up his headset. I mean, to be fair, he, he just became a dad, and as a father myself, I know how much time it takes to deal with a newborn. And Chewy, the new host of Monday Night Magic, is doing a killer job rocking the mic every Monday in Tom's absence. But it's still kind of sad to see the Grandmaster of Ooze take his leave. You know, with incentives to play Magic shrinking by the minute, uh, I've really kind of had to reevaluate my own motivations for playing, as well as figure out what my place really is in this community, and not to mention what my goals are in terms of competitive magic. Now, some might say, you know, what better incentive is there than having fun? Well, that is a fair argument, but it's it's kind of like uh, it's it's kind of like poker. You know, before I played a, a couple thousand hands a day online, uh, be, before I saw the movie Rounders. Before I stepped inside of a poker room, you know, I'd play, uh, I'd play like five-card draw with my friends, and, and we put up nothing, you know, toothpicks, peanuts, pennies. And sure, it, it was fun back then, but after years of reading every poker book out there, playing no-limit cash games in Vegas, grinding out a second income online, playing poker with paper clips has just lost its allure for me. You know, I can't go back. I've lost the ability to really appreciate and enjoy the game when there's nothing at stake. Now, sure, it's easier to have fun playing a pickup game of Magic with a friend than it is playing a game of poker when there's nothing at stake. It's much more interesting, to be sure. But after competing in PTQs, Grand Prix, and the National Championship, and at the Pro Tour... It's difficult for me to justify and invest a whole lot of money on a game when we'll only really be playing for the equivalent of toothpicks. I mean, Magic is a very expensive game to play. Of course, the fun aspect of the game is still intact, but you know what other game is fun? Lunch money. You know, I like lunch money a lot. I get to play it with friends, and it's a blast. But fun is really the only incentive to play that game, and as a result, we don't really play it very often, do we? We don't buy airline tickets to fly around to lunch money tournaments. 
We don't spend hundreds or thousands a year attempting to buy all the hot lunch money cards. Hell, we don't even gather every Friday to play in lunch money tournaments. Why is that? Because aside from fun, there really are no other incentives to play the game. Well, magic will always be a part of me. You know, it's given me countless memories. And I've always said that the thing that makes magic so great isn't so much the game itself, but the people who gather to play it. And for that reason alone, I doubt that I'll ever truly retire from the game, but perhaps it's time for a little vacation. A minor leave of absence, if you will. I mean, maybe I'm in the minority, but with all these changes and the way that they handled the communication of these changes, it just doesn't quite inspire me to go out there and buy cards and play in magic tournaments. Is this the last Jin's Playground podcast? No, but it might be a while before the next one. And I doubt that I will completely give up playing. You know, I've made a commitment to go to Grand Prix Salt Lake City with friends and teammates in March of 2012. And you know what? That weekend is going to be a blast, no matter what happens between now and then. But I'm really going to hope that Wizards does some things in the near future that adds meaningful and worthwhile incentives back into the fold, as well as reward people who do well at the game. After all, supplying what the players demanded was what made them so successful in the first place. It worked then. It can work now. And if Wizards doesn't do anything at all? Well, if I'm going to play a game where the only incentive is to have fun, there are always other games. Other games that cost a whole lot less to play. For example, there are games that only cost $15 a month. Games only requiring you to have a computer. Games that allow you to fly around the galaxy. Games that allow you to force choke a motherfucker if he pisses you off. Maybe I'll play a game like this for a while, until certain folks over at Wizards get their acts together. It's not a threat, it's just a warning. Someone like myself who has played Magic for 16-odd years can come to this kind of conclusion. Just think about those who are on the fence, and who don't have the kind of history and devotion to the game that I have. My advice to you, noble men and women of Watsi, get your asses back into the conference room and fix what you broke. Good luck, and may the Force be with you. Alright, time for some community calendar and playground news. On January 14th, 2012, Front Range Magic brings to you Pro Tour Qualifier for Pro Tour Barcelona, Spain. It's going to take place at Ormada Inn at 2601 Zunai Street. The format's going to be modern. The cost is going to be 25 clams. Registration begins at 9 a.m. Play begins at 10 a.m. You know, this one should be a lot of fun. And watch the organizing wizardry at work as there will also be a bonus tournament happening that day. That's right. A Grand Prix trial for Grand Prix Lincoln will be held at the very same location on the very same day, starting at around 2 to 3 p.m. The format is modern, the same format of the PTQ, so if you run into a couple of rough matchups in your first 2-3 rounds, you got a chance to rebuy. It's going to be good times. Look forward to seeing you there. On January 28th, Front Range Magic, Enchanted Grounds, and Jin's Playground bring to you the Dark Ascension pre-release. You know, I don't have a firm location for this event yet, but keep your eyeballs peeled for more information on this event. We'll be announcing soon where it's going to take place. Be sure to check out EnchantedGrounds.com as they will be hooking you up with a skinny on that event very soon. Like all pre-releases, this one's going to be a blast because it will have one thing that no other pre-release has. Me! On March 24, 2012, Front Range Magic brings you another PTQ for Pro Tour Barcelona, Spain. It's going to take place again at the Ramada Inn, 2601 Zunai Street. Format's going to be modern, cost is 25 bones, reg at 9, play at 10. That's how badass our Magic community is. You, know, you have not one, but two shots at that bad boy. And last but certainly not least, March 31st through April 1st, Grand Prix, Salt Lake City, and I believe on that Sunday there will also be a Star City Games Standard Open. So if you don't make the Day 2 cut, you get a rebuy on Sunday. So many rebuy tournaments. You gotta love it. I mentioned this weekend because the Immortal One himself will be present along with his loyal entourage. The very same entourage that would hate me calling them an entourage. 
Actually, I really hope to meet some of my listeners and make new friends that weekend. I'm already looking forward to that trip. Well, it's just about time for me to wrap this Christmas present up and give it to the open and awaiting arms of the internet. <laughs> what other podcast leads with White Zombie and ends with Bing Crosby? In fact, I, th- I think that's a world first. I may have been the first ever person to accomplish this. Achievement unlocked. Now, normally this is the part of the show where I, I give some shout-outs to certain people. But this go-around, I thought it best to just give one big shout-out to all of you guys who took the time to listen to my ass over the years. And whether this was the first episode you've ever listened to or, or you've been there since day one, you guys are the heartbeat of this show, and I want to thank each and every one of you. This particular episode may have come out a little darker than I intended, but you know what? In the grand scheme of things, life is pretty damn sweet, ain't it? From the folks at Jin's Playground to you and yours, have a safe and happy holidays. Oh, and uh, don't worry, you haven't seen the last of me. The sun will definitely come out tomorrow, and James Bond will return. This is the Jin signing off saying, eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, you could be in Utah. Peace! Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us.